I'm going to interrupt my series that uh, we've been doing, God's Choice, Description of the Qualified, and I'm going to go with the theme today, and it being Father's Day, I, I always look for an opportunity to challenge men. Men, I think you're such a vital part of what's right with America and what's, what's wrong with America. And I also think that you're man enough to take the things that I'm going to say today, and you're man enough to do the things I'm going to ask of you today. Because you're men. It's what men do. Men aren't afraid. Men aren't nervous. Amen? Come on, guys. Right? (laughs) And I believe there's an exceptional man. And I believe that each and every one of us can measure up to that call to be an exceptional man. And it's not difficult now to be an exceptional man. Maybe earlier, decades ago, it had been a little bit more difficult. But in this day of lax, lazy, and low morals, it is not difficult for you to stand out and to shine. I began to look at the examples on television of TV dads. I'm going to start with the good ones right quick. Some of you may remember some of these fellas. You might remember Fred McMurray of My Three Sons. Da, 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 da. Remember that? The three feet, you know, tapping. And if you're younger, you don't know that, you need to go back and, and, and watch some of this stuff. Fred McMurray, this widower that raised these three boys, and he always had a wise word to give to his sons. Then we have, i got a lot of favorites here, Ward Cleaver. Ward was the Beeve's dad. Beeve and Wally, and who could forget Eddie Haskell, that jerk of a friend of Wally's, right? Mr. Cleaver always seemed to keep things on the up and up. He had a fine job, but that suit and tie he had on all the time, sitting down in his living room, reading the newspaper, you know, and drinking his coffee. When the boys had a crisis, they'd always go to dad. Then we have, again, another one of my favorites, Andy Griffith. Of the Andy Griffith Show. A guy that could juggle Barney, you know. He dealt with Barney and Opie. Who could ever forget little Opie? And Andy would always have the right thing to say. I was watching an episode the other day where he was talking to Aunt B and his son Opie. And while he was doing it, he was pulling out a tithing envelope that he had in a box in his house. And they were going to church and he was putting his tithe in the envelope. Boy... I wish producers would have that courage to do that again. Amen? What an example Andy Griffith was. And here's one that you may have forgotten about. Another widower, Ben Cartwright. Remember this guy? What do you have? Adam, uh, Hoss, and little Joe. Isn't that right? Ben Cartwright always was the strong, right? The, the wise man, the wealthy dad. And always had wisdom for his three boys. He was a leader, a gatekeeper in his community. Again, kids, if teenager, if this isn't familiar to you, you ought, to, you ought to look back and see how far we've come. Here's another one. Little Joe, or Michael Landon. I believe, is it, is it Joe Ingalls? Is that, was that his name on Little House on the Prairie? Was it Charles Ingalls, this very, very wise father. I think he had two girls, is that right? And his lovely wife. Three girls. Okay. And, uh, and just, just a beautiful program of principles and morality. And then here's one, Robert Young. Remember this guy? Father knows best. Wow. 
Father Knows Best. What a wonderful title to a successful program. I didn't even mention Ozzie and Harriet. I didn't have them in there. But then we have one that's more common that some of you teenagers may remember, Bill Cosby. The Huxtables. Remember him? You know, he was so goofy and everything. You know, he did all this stuff. But when the rubber met the road, Dad Huxtable usually did the right thing. He punished his kids. He disapproved when they were being ridiculous. And he loved them when they needed him to love and accept them. Find examples of dads and fathers. Now, now we find ourselves in what has become of dads and a lot of the unfortunate caricatures. And I'm sorry I've got to go here, but I want to make a point. I don't even like saying this behind the pulpit. Homer Simpson, what a moron, you know? And this guy is just an absolute joke his whole life, his decisions. He's inept, he's ignorant, he's stupid, he's selfish, self-centered. He doesn't think of anybody but himself and what he wants. We have another dad, Archie Bunker. Now, you know, Archie, you know, my wife, when I'm really messing up, you know, (laughs) can I do this? I want to, because I deserve it, I'm sure. She'll come from the kitchen with a piece of chocolate pie. She'll say, here's your pie, Archie, you know. (laughs) I know I'm in trouble when that happens, you know. Archie had his chair, stayed there most of the time, a bigot, pig-headed, a jerk, selfish, prejudiced, not what dad is supposed to be. Hank Hill, this simpleton that is set in urban Austin, I think that they said they got all their inspiration from South Austin, the Hill family. And then you've got Family Guy, another complete joke. This guy took Homer Simpson, he makes Homer Simpson look like father knows best. This is a complete moron. And then this next picture was, Jesse said it was very difficult for him to find a picture suitable. I can't imagine what you got, buddy. But this guy, this, this Bundy fellow on Married with Children, that was the best image we could find of him. Can you believe that? The other ones weren't suitable to be shown in mixed public. This, quote, father, what, he, what they've done with it. And then some that many of you remember, Fred Sanford of Sanford and Son, Red Fox, a selfish bigot that was disrespectful to women and very, very self-centered. We see all of these characters of dad, and you can see where dad's been through good and bad, but we're leaning bad now. We're seeing some things that are very discouraging. And it's not the devil's work. You say, well, the devil's really... No, it's our work. You know, the Bible says you sin when you give in to your own lust. And if we have the devil to blame for the failure of fathers, then we're powerless to change it. But dads, if it's our fault, we can do something about that. What the devil doesn't want you to realize is that it is your fault. The devil wants you to blame everybody and anybody except yourself. Because if I accept responsibility for the ills of this country, I can ask forgiveness for the ills of this country. And I can act in power on them. Because what is my fault, I can change. And dads, fathers, men, that's what we're going to do. That's how we're going to be world changers. That's how we're going to have our own kingdom building moments. Dads, let me tell you something. This 
this program that we've got going now, the, the kingdom building moment, there ought to be fathers lined up. I, ought, I should have changed that sheet three or four times already with dad saying, I've got a kingdom build moment. I've got a kingdom. Because that's what dads are. That's what men are, is kingdom builders. You say, well, I'm the quiet son type. And that, that's who I am. Ed Cove, man who wrote Maximize Manhood, one of my mentors, a guy that I met, and uh, Seth, Seth met him. Uh, we went to one of his conferences, went backstage. I knew his son, and uh, this was at Texas A&M at, uh, I guess it was in Rudder Auditorium. We got to sit down and, and eat with him and have a, a good time. Matt, Seth, you were 12? You were about 12 years old? And uh, Ed Cole has a very famous statement. He says, sometimes silence is golden, dads, but most of the time it's just plain yellow. There comes a time when us guys, we've got to speak up. We've got to step up. We've got to be men in a nation of males. God needs men. And God has put in each and every one of you the ability to be a man. He has anointed you. He's called you out. He's set you apart to make a difference, not to just get by. And guys, I'm going to call you out today. Dad is the gatekeeper of the home. Dad is a gatekeeper in a community also. Dad is the one that brings security to a home. Dad also brings stability to a home and a community. Dad will also bring discipline and he'll bring spiritual leadership. Dad is a world changer. And guys, if you're not a father, if you're not a dad and you're just a man, a man does that too. A man doesn't go around chasing his own lusts and his own desires. A man is someone who takes a stand for others. He does the right thing when it's not popular. He maintains that moral compass that our nation so desperately needs. That's what's wrong with our nation. Our nation is in trouble because dad is napping. Dad's in his easy chair enjoying himself. Now, guys, I'm not saying things sinful or wrong about an easy chair. Enjoy your easy chair. Okay? And I'm going to tell you something. We need to understand that we're not there to nap. We're not there to be in a spiritual chair and we're not doing anything. We're not saying anything. We're not taking stands. It comes down to us. And it's our watch. And God has placed us as the head of the home. And whom God places those responsibilities on, much is required when God gives. So there's a requirement on us to carry that. I got a dog. I've talked about him often. Chipper. Chipper's about 14 or 15. How old is he, guys? Is he 14 or 15? Is that right? He's old. He's old. And I remember Chipper would be in the backyard. I'm talking about the mailman, the garbage man. If you had any kind of tool belt, you were fresh meat. I mean, Chipper just couldn't wait to get a hold of you. He snarls at you. Cats didn't dare come anywhere near our property. Squirrels? <laughs> the squirrel couldn't go around and forage for nuts or anything on the ground. Birds had to be careful how long they stayed on the ground. Chipper was just there. And, and, and when one of us would be coming home, we, before we got to that, that final curve there, on Country Club Drive, before we got to that curve, Chipper's ears were up and he began barking and yelping, announcing one of us. He knew every one of our cars. And if you were a frequent visitor, he knew your car too. Chipper would smell someone walking their dog out front on the street. Uh, somebody, yeah, yeah, they're walking their dog. 
But now Chipper's old. His sight is bad. His hearing is bad. When he comes up to me and I've got a treat, he starts jumping before he's to me, you know, and he, he slips and falls. And the other day, I was, it was yesterday, Seth and I were watching the U.S. Open. We were sitting there and I saw an incredible sight. I saw a cat come leisurely walking through our yard. I said, oh my. Seth, there's a cat in the yard. Seth jumped up and this cat was just doing this, just walking. Stop. <laughs> Taking his time. And I thought, oh boy, Chipper's. And I looked at Chipper. Chipper's out. He's sleeping. And I was often do now, I looked at him to make sure he was breathing. Okay, he's still with us. His vision is bad, his hearing is bad, and his smelling is not what it used to be. And that's what's happened to dads. Except we hadn't got old, we've just gotten lazy. We need to be wakened from our slumber. Dad, you're the sleeping giant in America. It starts with us. In our slumber, women had become stressed out. That women's lib movement that was in the 60s and 70s, that was our fault. Of course, women need to have equal opportunities. I agree with that. But women begin to take roles that God didn't mean for them to have. Roles of leadership. And women have become stressed. They begin upset because they're having to be mom and dad in so many homes and in so many families. I can't tell you how many churches I've been a part of where you look out over a congregation, it's mostly women, and there's a few dads. Because dads had neglected their responsibility as a spiritual man, as a responsible man, to be a man of God, not just the man of this world. Children have lost their identity. They've not only lost their identity sexually, but also spiritually. You say, what is this gay thing? It comes from the home, friend. It is an identity crisis. We've been talking about the fact that the enemy has told you some things that are not true. The enemy begin to tell people, you're this, you're that. He's lying to you. And he's lying to our kids. And God is knocking on the door to dad, but dad is asleep. Dad has no vision. Dad's hearing is gone. And dad has lost his bite. He doesn't have the authority he once had. Because he has neglected his responsibility to his community, to his family, and to his God. Churches. So many churches are weakened and lacking vision because of a lack of strong male leadership. Men of God. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 14 and then move to 18. Then we will no longer be infants. God is talking to us. No longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Don't be silly. Guys, don't be simple. Don't be ignorant of the most powerful book known to man in the universe. Don't be a novice when it comes to the things of God. You're standing in a room and someone says, well, we need to pray. And you take a step back and hope no one finds you. That's not an action of a man. The Bible says they are darkened in their understanding. And they're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Guys, get out of those spiritual easy chairs. 
God wants you to rest, but He doesn't want you to be sleeping on duty. It's time for men to take a stand and take back this country that so desperately needs Christian leadership. In Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 9, listen to what, this is God speaking. And God through the prophet Micah is speaking to the children of Israel who have abandoned God. They've chosen to be ignorant of what God says. They don't know the law anymore. They become ignorant and stupid. And listen to this. What can we bring to the Lord? What kind of offerings should we give Him? Should we bow before God with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer Him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? He's asking the question of what we should be bringing. And then it goes on to say this. Oh no, for if you offered Him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil, would that please Him? Would He be satisfied? If you sacrifice your oldest child, would that make God glad? Then would He forgive your sins? Of course not. No. He has told us and told you what He wants. And this is all it is. To be fair, to be just, to be merciful, and to walk humbly with your God. The Lord's voice calls out to all the land, Listen to the Lord if you are wise. Are you ready for this? The armies of destruction are coming because the Lord is sending them. I'm telling you, friend, it very well may not be the devil. It may be our own pay coming back to us from our neglect as a nation. God says, be fair. Grow up. Grow up, guys. That's how you be fair. You grow up and you accept responsibility. Number two, he says, be just. That means to govern righteously. Govern righteously. Know what is right. And be able to speak what is right at the right time. That's what men do. Don't go and claim, well, I'm just a strong, silent type. When the fact is, you don't know squat. You don't know anything. We need to know what God says. Be familiar with His Word. I'm not saying you have to quote every word. Read the book. Know the book. Understand the book. Because God is calling us out, guys, to be what we should be. And then He says, be merciful. Which is to be gentle. Because God has been merciful to you. Again, if the Lord God were to leave us and take His hand off of us, I want to tell you something. I believe we'd die within minutes. I really do. Your finances would go kaput. Your health would go kaput. Your family would go gone. Everything would be just completely collapsed if the Lord God were to take His hand off of you in this sin-invested, volatile world. So God is being merciful to you, even in your ignorance. So be merciful to others. And then He says to be humble. Be humble. And I like to define that as know your place with Yahweh. Know who you are before God. This video that we watched Friday night, I just love it when he goes through all those incredibly massive sons. I think Brother Leroy said, I should have brought a golf ball. Where's that you? One of you guys, I should have brought a golf ball this morning. And see our place in the universe and how magnificent God is. And when he began to talk about the magnificence of the cosmos and where we fit in all this 
size. And to think of that star-breathing God that called those things into existence and then we have got the nerve to question Him. We've got the nerve to give Him counsel. We've got the nerve to say, how could you, God? You don't know who He is. And you certainly don't know who you are to be saying that. Know your place, fellows, with Yahweh. The man who knows his place and acts on it is the exceptional man on earth. It's just that simple. You want to be an exceptional man? Know your place. Know God and know who you are in comparison with Him. It'll make you want to be His representative. It'll make you want to speak for Him any time that you can. Number one, because you're a man and because it's desperately needed. And it'll also cause you to be humble before Him. God is incredible. It is amazing that He cares for us. It is amazing. He's placed His will and His DNA inside of us. That no matter how insignificant you think you are, again, that's the devil lying to you, trying to change your identity. God's called you out. God has a reason and a purpose for your life. And the rest of your life from this day on should be to find that destiny and to fulfill those purposes. Because there's people that need you to be who God has created you to be. They are desperate for you. The only way you're going to fill that role is to walk humbly before your God. Be fair, just, merciful, and humble. Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 30 and 31. God says this. Guys, listen. He said, I look for someone among them who would build up the wall. A wall of righteousness. A wall of morality. A wall of the good things. Could build up the wall and stand before me in the gap. On behalf of the land. So I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. So... I will pour out my wrath on them and I will consume them with my fiery anger, bringing down on their own heads all they have done, declares the Sovereign Lord. Guys, God's looking for us to stand between Him and what we deserve. Not only as a nation, but as a world. That's big. But you're called by big God. And that big God is commissioning you to do incredible things. Can you see how masterful the enemy's plan is? To deceive us in thinking, I'm just a guy getting a job, doing my best here, love my songs, you know, love my pickup, and I'm just working hard out there. There's more to it than that, guys. Don't believe that. You can do that. But your life is worth more than that. Your purpose is is more powerful than that. So, who will stand before God? Who will ask for mercy for the sins of our nation? Men, fellas, your wall builders. God's calling you out today. And I'm going to join him. I want every one of these men, all the men, to stand please. Jesse, do you have that back there, buddy? Men, stand up. Whether you're a dad or a man, I want you to stand up. That's right. Come on, guys. I'm looking at you. 
God's looking at you. Now, because you're men, and this in, this includes you guys in the back back there, in the, in the sound room, I'm going to call you forward. Come on up here. I want you to stand over here. Come on, guys. Come on. Come on. You're men. Don't be afraid. Don't be timid. Let's go. This is a man service. Let's man up. Come on, guys. I want you to stand across this front. I want you to face this audience of ladies and children. It's all across the front here. Wow. The hope. <laughs> this is Sam's yesterday. Ron and I were finding a place to park. And there's this guy. He was walking about two steps behind his wife in the parking lot. Had his hands behind his back, just walking behind her. And I said, wow. Ron said, boy, he looks whipped, doesn't he? <laughs> yes, dear. Yes, dear. I said, hon, I'll tell you what. If you mess with me, I'm going to put my hands behind my back and walk three steps behind you in there, okay? She said, don't you dare do that. Ladies are looking for men. They're looking for men that are willing to do what you just did. Looking for men of promise and power. And guys, I want you to repeat this. Not only to this congregation, but to God, but especially to yourselves. You see it on the screen back there. You ready? Let's make this proclamation. Let's go, guys. From today forward, I'm leaving my slumber. I will be fair, just, merciful, and the law Hallelujah. A man among males. That's what God has called you to be. They need you. Fellas, you just earned your chocolate. Amen. Bow your heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Father, the best in the world, star-breathing God. I pray you would equip us, help us to see that spark of power that's in each and every one of us. And God, as men, we will walk in it because we're not afraid. We're not sissies. We'll take a stand for you. We'll say what's right. And God, you above anyone knows how flawed we are. All of us at this, on this platform stood before these folks. We knew of our flaws. Our wives and kids know of our flaws. But we refuse to allow those flaws to define us. We ask you to define us as we walk in what you have placed inside of us. Power, authority, discipline. Goodness and righteousness. We will build the walls. And we will change our families. And when we change our families, we're going to change our community. And after that, we're going to change Texas and the nation and the world. 
one man at a time, would choose to no longer be Yella, but to speak up. We thank you for giving us the power to do so. And in that power, we stand and walk. In Jesus' name, God's children said, Amen. Brother Paul.